0: Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. I'm finally back, and Mark is back again. How's it going, Mark?
0: Going good, going good. Feeling nice and refreshed now. So Yeah, yeah. we kind
1: of needed a break after the launch. It's been a lot of work, a lot of failure, and I guess a lot of learning for the most inspired out of you. It was frustrating in a lot of cases for us, but now that we've been able to cool off a bit, you know, it wasn't so bad and I'm excited to talk to a bunch of the New Age Pro members. Actually, I've had a bunch of calls with a bunch of you guys already for the guys that joined. And uh, if you didn't join well, the podcast is going to be back on a regular schedule. So don't worry, you'll also get regular content and the blog should be coming back shortly after. There's probably going to be a post this week and we have a schedule planned already. So we're going to talk today about essentially some of the learnings that we had during the recent Atari Hacker Pro launch from, as usual, we learned by messing it up. And we, we we've done pretty good at that this time.
0: Yeah, the the goal here is like seriously guys, pay attention to this. If you're doing a launch in the near future or even a few years from now, there's a hell of a lot of major fuck-ups which we did, which you can uh, can learn from here. That really costs us quite a lot of money. So yeah. So we're
1: gonna <laughs> tell you everything we felt at in more detail than we did last time. But most importantly, I wanna just go back take a bit of a bird-eye view and look at what launches are and why they're interesting. Because I know a lot of the people that listen to us, you know, they're just running their little review site, and it's nice and steady, etc. But if you want to make big bucks on the internet, unless you're the wire cutter and you're selling out, it's not the best way. And selling products is definitely one of the ways to do that. Now, we do that with information products, but you can do that with any product. Actually, the biggest product launches is probably Apple with the iPhone. So like I yeah. think the, the keynote is essentially a webinar. <laughs> and then they just literally just sell you on it and open the orders right at the end. It's it's very smart. And actually, like you know, I l I've watched a lot of Apple keynotes not only because I, I want to waste my money on new Macs, etc., but also because it's a very good sales school. And you know, the biggest companies do it. It's not just a dodgy internet marketer thing. Just they do it oftentimes in a much classier way, and they don't necessarily use the terms like Webinars and you know the scarcity period, etc. But they use all these things. Apple even has the payment plan stuff, etc. It's amazing to see how close that is to the launches that you could do. And there's a lot of pros and cons. The pros are scarcity and just like building the hype generates a lot of sales very quickly, which does feel good and is a great way to top up your company bank account essentially. And another pro is which is kind of like a, the counterbalance of a con is, well, launches are a lot of work, so that's the con. But between launches, you have a lot of time to work on the important stuff without having to worry as much about sales because you do all your sales at once. But the con as well is if you mess up, it's going to cost you a lot more than if you were selling every day. It's also pretty stressful, and you know a lot of people have been burning out from doing this kind of formula all the time, and it's quite involved on a personal level. And so if you're running with a persona... It's a little bit harder to pull that off. It's possible, but it's a little bit harder. And talking about personas, yeah. there's been a lot of debate about that.
0: Yeah. So one of the most popular threads in the new or in the Authority Hacker Pro Facebook group is around this concept of personas. And now we did a, a podcast on this. I think it was maybe about a year and a half ago now. Yeah. Our views on that are still changing and they, they but they have definitely changed a bit since then especially with some of the stuff we're doing now around product launches and some of the stuff we have planned so i think we're gonna we're planning on doing another podcast probably next week or it's certainly in the next probably the next like in month. a couple
1: more weeks the reason why is because we're actually rebranding some of our sites and as we're rebranding these debates are coming up and we're trying to figure it out
0: if you are starting a new site right now don't let that stop you. Uh, I mean, don't wait for us to do that, but certainly pay attention when when that when that one comes out because it's, it's a little bit different to what we've been saying before, I guess.
1: Yeah, but it's something that's like not hard to fix on a new site because essentially nobody's reading your new site when you start it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you know, if you change that later, it's not it's not that bad. It's it's harder to change on popular websites, I would say, where you've been adopting the old method before. Definitely possible, but a little bit more complicated. But if you're starting a new site, definitely that should not. Stop you and the ways we've done it before. It still works. I mean, like we build a lot of things on Health Ambition, and it's still doing okay. So it's just we're trying to add some refinement to the way we're doing that, both on the ethical level and just on the operational side of things. So we're gonna be updating you more on podcasts. I just want to add one more thing about launches, though. It's like, once again, I mentioned a lot of people like to run their little review site, you know, Amazon Associates, etc. A lot of people do that. It's very easy to start. But it's also a good way to... Launches are definitely a good way to actually jump out of that. So, like, get into selling products. All you need to do is, especially if you have a site with traffic, is build an email list with you know, lead magnets and opt-in pop-ups and all that stuff. And there's plenty of information on that on the blog and inside HPro. But then you can just launch it to your list and you know, gauge the interest and like, decide to pivot up versus launching an evergreen funnel or something that is always for sale. And you know you make five sales a week and you're like, okay, can I do more or not? And it's really hard to tell if it's a good idea. So launches are a good way to like, you know, fail fast if you're going to fail or succeed fast if you're going to succeed. They're also so much more revenue than affiliate marketing that uh yeah it, it should be part of your plan it doesn't need to be something that you do today but it's something you should definitely pay attention to if your plan is to be running sites in the long run
0: yeah i mean just to put it into perspective for us the authority hacker pro launches are or not just ah pro but like all our product launches are the biggest single source of revenue for our entire company
1: on the months, yeah well on the months when we launch it's like you know the takes everything out away, way basically
0: no I mean like year wide like if you add up all the launches compared to all of the like evergreen stuff the launches yeah. are, are way higher
1: yeah even though we have evergreen funnels in the five figures a month it's still 12 seats yeah
0: yeah yeah so it's definitely something worth pursuing you know it's a lot of work it can be a lot of work to set them up but yeah it can also be very rewarding as well
1: okay so now that we talked about why you should do it now let's tell us how you can mess it up when you try to do it and how to try and avoid that. Like basically don't do what we did.
0: I think it's maybe worth just talking a little bit about our launch structure because, you know, yeah, there's different okay. ways to, to sort of set it out. There's no sort of perfect way. It will vary a lot depending on you, your personality, and your niche. Credit where credit's due. The initial framework, and, and we have evolved it a fair bit ourselves, but the initial framework for this came from uh, Brian Harris from Video Fruit. He wrote a blog post, I think it was two years ago now, around his product launch formula. So we'll we'll link to that in the show notes. But Really, really good post. It was sort of inspiration for our first big H pro launch, but we've sort of evolved it a bit since then. Essentially, we break it down into two segments. There's the pre-launch and then there's the sort of launch or open cart period. The pre-launch, the main purpose of this phase is to round up all of your subscribers fans followers all of your tribe from all of the different channels where you engage with with people so in the case of authority hacker that would be our blog our email list our podcast and maybe although it's not really that significant like youtube video as well but really the podcast and the blog and the email list are the the big three for us
1: and I, I wanted to say as well, I think this one we kind of came up with that concept of actually making this content, this pre-sales content on the channels where people, you know, usually consume your content, so the blog, the podcast, etc., versus making separate pages and your know, these three-part videos, the classic one, et cetera. And I do think it, it seems to work pretty well. It engages people, you know, without the barrier of the opt-in or going to a medium that you're not used to, which
0: I've found it's an yeah.
1: easier transition for people to go from regular free content consuming to getting into the lounge.
0: Yeah, so what, what Gail means by that is a lot of the time people will have a, so in their email list or on their blog or in their, their podcast, they will say, hey, we're doing this special series or something, click here to opt in. And then it's an extra step and then you get thrown into like a, a three video, you know, Jeff Walker style product launch formula video series, something like that. And while, I mean, a lot of people are making a lot of money with that, for us, the way we've done it seems to have worked quite well. And that's just having the actual pre-launch content be in these mediums already. So before the H, the latest H Pro launch, we did a, a content series where we interviewed a lot of authority site owners, people that didn't really have anything to sell or pitch. So you won't really have heard of them very often. So it was kind of like a, a unique angle on that. But we also, some of these or at least were were podcasts. So if anyone was just listening to the podcast just normally, they would, by definition, go through this or at least go through a few of these episodes. So, yeah, that worked. That worked very well for us. And then our big push during this, this pre-launch content was to get people to sign up for the webinar and the webinar, which you created, Gail, is basically what we use to actually kick off the open cart so we had it on a, a Sunday night and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the timing of that in a little sec but we had it on a Sunday night and yeah we're getting people to sign up for it and the topic was remind me again what was the topic of like, to uh,
1: start five steps to, to follow to start and grow a profitable authority website portfolio I think
0: yeah the, how many slides did you make on this <laughs> <laughs>
1: like there's like 300 slides or something a little bit more maybe
0: yeah, and a good sort of two thirds, three quarters of that is just like heavy, heavy value. Yeah. So yeah. the concept or the idea with the launch webinar is you have a a heavy like value kind of dump at the start. And these are like really some of our best and newest tips and tricks that, that we're using. Stuff people... that's
1: not on the blog yet or stuff that we don't put on the blog on purpose. Kind of like you want to build that exclusive feeling for people that show up, you know, that's like an upgrade from the blog. And that's also contributing to increasing the tension of like, oh, there's more to this than what I've been reading on the blog or listening to on the podcast, essentially.
0: Yeah, but the, the idea is that everyone, even you know, the, the person that's already bought your product, can show up for that yeah. and get value out of it. So you're really giving away a lot of value there. It then transitions into a pitch for the, the product. And we won't go too much into the sort of sales psychology and stuff. But what was the model you followed for, for the uh, webinar?
1: It's like Richard Branson's perfect webinar formula. To be honest, I'm thinking of like changing it a bit because, I mean, if you've been on a webinar, you see how it works. But, you know, I have to like go back and re it goes through every item I add to the thing and add the value, etc. And given the fact that the webinar is extremely long already, like that felt a little overkill. And I feel that with our tone of voice, we're better off providing more value. And then that's what sells people. Although, you know, we do quite well on webinars, but at some point, I think we're going to have to test. It definitely works though. Like Russell Branson, his work, I'm one of the few guys I'm, I'm still heavily following for the sales stuff because he's very smart and it's actually pretty actionable what he does. So we're not even affiliates for him or whatever, but he's definitely one of the guys, like buy his books as well. He has um, Kindle books, he has dot .com secrets and he has a new one now, I can't remember the title, but they're also very good reads, highly recommended.
0: Yeah, so at the end of the webinar, we pitch our product, we open the cart for Authority Acre Pro, which isn't actually open except for like a few weeks of the year during these launches. Um, so there's like a, a big sort of rush of scarcity there. It's only open for a little bit. And we also do a discount, an early bird discount. So it's the people who are like waiting to get in. We offer them a, a discount to kind of give them an incentive to actually take action straight away. And we offer an additional incentive by way of a template, a bonus template pack for anyone that buys actually on the webinar while we're still doing the Q&A at the end. That's actually been really effective. It's in very getting, successful. Like we're getting, used to...
1: We used to do okay with webinars, but people would just wait back like, till the end of the early to buy. You know,
0: yeah, some of them would miss out and then email us after yeah. and stuff. But this is just like you get that, and even you know, we had some existing customers email us say, "Hey, can I get the template pack too?" And you know, no, no, you can't because we we really this is key with scarcity. You have to really mean it, and you have to be consistent with your scarcity. Otherwise, people just see through it and uh, it won't, won't be near, nearly as effective next time. Yep. So yeah. Uh, just I just wanted to
1: add on the webinar as well. One, uh, it's kind of cool to... So like the structure of like, kind of making it uh, different every time and making sure there's a lot of value in there and most importantly, inviting your existing customers when you do that you know, after the first time, obviously, is very powerful because people are actually like, talking to each other on the chat. If you have a bunch of people that are happy with your stuff and literally saying it in the chat that's like amazing for yourselves and we always get some people that are in the membership or something just drop by and say i've used this on my site and that worked really well or something like this and and just having a third party a neutral third party just endorse you is really powerful but you need to have something for them in that webinar so you kind of you need to go through that extra effort and that's why we don't do it very often as well because like I spend like a whole week coming up with like new things to put in there every time, but when you do that, you bring endorsements that really really help the sales.
0: yeah, so then uh, we have the the early bird phase, which lasts uh three or four days, and then there's sort of emails going out to everyone that the early bird discounts going away. Then I think uh, Wednesday, so we the webinars on the Sunday, and then on the Wednesday night, the early bird finishes. Then a day after that, we launch our payment plans. So this is something we've tested and played around with quite a bit. And I think the current way of doing it seems to be the best for us. And that's to introduce payment plans after the early bird discount is over, but not mark them up any further. So normally you have a payment plan, which is, you know, 50%
1: more than the normal price.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, people are obviously paying more in the non-early bird phase just because they missed out on the early bird discount. But to not add any extra on top of that for payment plans is, it's certainly gone down quite favorably with with us, at least. And one sort of split test we did in the previous launch, we had our payment plans only available for 24 hours uh, at that rate. But the, for this one, we had them available for the entire second phase of the launch. And that actually got us a lot more uh, payment plan sales. That's pretty much it. I mean, those kind are the of a way.
1: I just want to say that the payment plan stuff is kind of a way to also differentiate from the competition because everyone else marks that the payment plan is like crazy. You know, it's like I'm looking at a lot of competitors even doing like $1 sign up and then you pay like $1,000 per month for 12 months <laughs> or like, you know, something crazy. Especially, it works with our, like, we try to be honest. As you can see, like, we're literally giving you away everything we do in these launches. So we try to be very open and honest. And that policy definitely, you know, reinforces that and is kind of a walk to the talk. So it works pretty well. And if you're close to your audience, I can imagine that would also work. And that's also a marketing argument, right? You can say you can differentiate yourself from your competition and you can make a us versus them type frame and then more people go on your side, essentially. So what you may lose in extra payments or extra, slight extra revenue, you probably gain conversion rate for about the same result Those people, because people feel like they have a good deal. However, I really want to see the, follow, like the completion rates of the payment plans just to be completely defending it 100%.
0: All right, so we've talked a lot about the structure of the launch and why you should consider doing a product launch in this way. Now let's talk about what actually <laughs> happened for us because it, it didn't really go quite to plan, did it, Gail?
1: God, it started from the webinar. I think the, um, the, I think it
0: started before the webinar, actually. So the first thing we noticed was that the webinar jam, which is the tech we use to run our webinar, for some reason, I don't even know if we got to the bottom of this, it wasn't sending out the uh, know, right. reminder emails for the, the webinar is tomorrow in 24 hours. The webinar is in one hour, like those, yeah. those emails.
1: And none of these emails went out and except the one like one hour before because you catch it. You cut it actually. That's why.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we ended up having to manually send out that message. So, you know, takeaway there is for your sort of pre-launch checklist or your launch checklist, make sure that your whatever software you have is actually sending out your emails when it is supposed to. I think this was some kind of deeper tech issue because it wasn't like Gail messing up the time zone or something again. It it really was broken.
1: (laughs) You know, actually what happened as well? It's like when you told me like, oh, the email's not sending. So I kind of waited like it was almost at the one hour left mark and it didn't send. So I pressed the manual button to essentially, you know, trigger it myself. Then I got an error box saying, oh, it didn't work, right? So I pressed it again and then the email went out twice got like we'll
0: It's not the end of the world if they get it's that. It's just like not very professional. Twice, yeah. Yeah. That's definitely uh an issue. And we thought, okay, you know, like we messed up here, we'll, we'll we'll add this to our list. We won't won't make that mistake again and we'll monitor that next time. Just have everything else,
1: a list. Like, you know, like have a like a Asana task or even a calendar task to like, you know, remind us essentially. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that is essentially this podcast is our our next checklist, I think, for the next launch. Yeah. Okay. So then we actually, we started the webinar and fortunately, because we caught that, the attendance rate was reasonably good.
1: We could have done better, I think. But it was actually
0: something which it didn't happen this time, but happened last time is uh, we scheduled the webinar in May, I think, on Father's Day or Mother's Day or something in the U.S., and so there's a lot of these holidays and they're different in every country. Like the UK yeah. has Father's Day, I think in June. So yeah, check specific US holidays if most of your customers are US or wherever your customers are, are based because these things will play into it as well. But fortunately, we didn't have any of those issues this time. But literally five minutes after, or actually just no. as we we're, start, yeah. we're starting the <laughs> webinar, I logged on, or both Gail and I logged on to Webinar Jam and started talking. And the audience could hear us fine, but Gail could not hear me. <laughs> and this is a really bizarre kind of bug or problem, I guess. No idea why why this was happening. But we hadn't actually, we have been doing webinars, you know, once a month for Pro yeah. Platinum members, and it'd been working fine. And there's no reason why it shouldn't work this time, but it didn't. So the lesson there is test your webinar tech. Run a, a mic check. If you're doing video, run a video check. Check your uh, slides, screen sharing, all that kind of stuff before you actually go live, uh, like long before you go live so you have time to fix it. When you we can, tested it, You
1: can actually do it. There's a test mode that we could have done earlier. So it's yeah. our fault, really.
0: Yeah, we waited till like 25 minutes. minutes to go, <laughs> 20 minutes to go, tried, and then I was like using different computers and internet connections, and it just wasn't working for some reason. So, yeah. There's that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just like test all your tech. Also take a, I don't know, like if you're ever doing webinars and maybe one day we should do a podcast on doing webinars because I think I've done a few now. Take the time to make a really nice setup, especially when it's a sales webinar because like any kind of glitch that happens during your presentation, like... And and that does happen in this podcast before, for example, like my phone having notifications on. I literally got comments for that. And it's like little things like this, it just reduces the level of, you know, professionality you have. And just overall, this audience knows you're here to sell them something and they're looking for many reasons to not buy. So I spend like 20 minutes setting up my desk for the webinar. I have two computers. I have my iMac where I essentially see the slides. And I have a second screen where I see my presenter's notes. And I have my laptop on the side where I actually see the chat. So that, I mean, I don't necessarily have time to read, but I can turn my head and read it, essentially. And or any message you sent me. And that's how yeah, that, I got, that, that I got to know what important. happened next
0: <laughs> after the advertisement break. Right? Yeah. So yeah. Just, just to add on to that. So when Gail's doing that webinar presentation, and, and this is really important to have someone dedicated to managing the chat. So we get a lot of questions come in during the presentation on the chat, and I'm able to answer a lot of those. If I'm not able to answer them because they're too long or because I don't know the answer, you know, I can record them or I can note them down. And we do a Q&A at the end. We'll answer the questions there. But it's also important because you can have a lot of if there's a problem or you know someone's spamming some you know dodgy service link in there or no, you know there's all sorts of issues when you have 500 people in, in in a chat room it's just good to have someone you know managing that and that person should absolutely not be the person who's doing the presentation because it's too much of a distraction
1: it's not possible. So. Like if someone if I was alone and someone came to spam the chat room, I mean I would literally have to stop talking to to like handle that. And I would be Yeah, once again, people's time is precious and you need to you need to make it very smooth the whole experience and if you're like breaking to moderate the chat room and it's complicated. I would probably if I was alone I would actually cut the chat. And you can still there's a mode in webinar jam where people can't chat but can ask questions, you know? So and you are the only one receiving it. I would probably yeah. set that up that way.
0: Yeah, I think it's worth just like hiring someone to, like a, a moderator to run the chat social for you. Proof to. It's, as well, it is, yeah. Especially with the, when you have like existing customers in there, you know, that kind of, yeah, as you said, social proof is hugely, hugely valuable. But moving on to our next issue, which happened, you know, five minutes after the last one, just as, so literally five minutes after the presentation started. And bear in mind, I'm Gail's not able to, to hear you <laughs> hear me talk at this point so I'm not really able to communicate with him or at least get any response so there was an issue with our website in that authority hacker went down like the entire site was down couldn't access it for half an hour during the the webinar and so as soon as it went down you know I noticed Almost straight away. I was talking with a, one of our, a guy who was helping us do some Facebook ads, and we were just uh, like trying to figure out what was going on. At first, we thought it was some kind of like DDoS attack or something, but I messaged Gail on Slack, sort of trying to communicate as much as I could in a short way. <laughs> Didn't get a response at all during the entire webinar, but I was talking <laughs> to me, something else. Do you want to tell us what happened from your perspective?
1: I mean, though? it's just like, I see that notification. I'm like, oh shit. And it's like, as I said, and that's why I explained my setup. Like I have my big iMac in front of me. I have my slides, et cetera, That's a dedicated computer to talking. So you guys don't see any notification or anything, but like there's my laptop on the side and I just get that little notification pop up. It's like side is down and I see you talking who is the person that takes care of our ads on Slack as well. Like, I just see this like, from the corner of my eye, and I'm still talking at like 140 words a minute during that webinar, you know, <laughs> doing that. Literally, I opened a new tab on that laptop while I was talking. Like, so I have my microphone in front of me, and like, I'm looking at, this, at the slides, at, at least to know what to say in the next 15 seconds. And then every 10, 15 seconds, I turn my head for two seconds to the laptop, And I go on the chat for the support for our hosting. And I'm like, and I'm basically unable to even type proper sentences at that point because I'm talking. I'm like, side down, can you check, please? And (laughs) the guy's like replying. He's like, oh, I think uh, there there may be an issue with your plugins. I'm like, can you find plugin issue or something like this? Like really like five words, literally. He's like, okay, I'm going to check. And during that time, I'm still presenting and basically, you know, if I, I know if it's not resolved in like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, we're landing on the slide that's promoting the product, but really, there's no page to open and nobody can buy anything. And that's terrible. So the guy comes back to me like 10 minutes later, and I'm still presenting during that time. He's like, oh, it's that plugin. You should contact the customer service. I'm like, yeah, sure. I have plenty of time to do that right now. Didn't fix it for me. <laughs> so I opened my FTP client, logged on the FTP, and just very quickly renamed the plugin so it would disactivate completely and boom, the site went back up essentially. Which plugin was it? It was the Amazon S3 offload plugin. Basically it does a backup every Sunday night it's like kind of like the low it's normally the low traffic time, right? So it's like the, the server's not loaded, there's not nothing, so it kind of takes all the resources of the server and just like does a backup. And well, the site was a little bit busy at that time therefore, that didn't go very well. And I actually, since then, I've changed our setup. So I've removed that plugin. I'm not using Amazon S3 for putting uh, our stuff. I'm using KeyCDN now, which you know pulls content a little bit differently and caches it a little bit more and doesn't necessarily upload the content. Basically, it uploads the content to the CDN when someone opens the page. So it's not, there's no like big backup, heavy resource-intensive process of backing up every couple days or something like that. It's smoother. It's actually cheaper as well. So. PCDN is pretty good service so far, let's see next time we run a webinar.
0: Yeah, so I mean, that was obviously a huge issue. It could have been a huge issue had we not been able to resolve it or had that initial hacky together fix not been successful.
1: It could have been way more serious and then there's no way I could fix it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I guess the takeaway, I mean, technical problems can and will occur. I guess the takeaway here is make sure if you have any kind of automated or scheduled backups, which do commonly occur on Sunday nights by default, that you should not have these overlap when a time you're running a webinar or any kind of launch. I, I
1: think as well, like having a site image that's like, you know what I should have done? I should have backed up the site. You can use a plugin, you can use like Backup Buddy or whatever, or you can use your hosting if they offer that for you. A lot of them do. And what I should have done is I should have made a backup of the website. Like just before the webinar, just one button click. Right. And then if there's any issue during the webinar, I have literally that page open in the tab and I click restore. right. Next time I'll probably have that just in case it's not like, it sounds like it happens like one in a thousand times, but I've heard that happen quite a few times actually.
0: Yeah, um, and it doesn't matter like if it's one in a million times, if it happens to you during a launch, like it's such a big deal. So it's just not something it's a risk that you need to mitigate as best as possible, no matter how remote the chance of it happening are.
1: Yeah. So yeah, basically have a way to get your site up back up quickly. And I think the essentially making a, a backup point. Just before your webinar, and just like being able to click it at any point, is the best way to be ready. I'll yeah. definitely there are, do that next time.
0: There are also services. I think is it Pingdom or something like that 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 monitors like uptime performance of your site and can actually notify you, yeah. you know, send you a text message or something when your site they site can goes down. You
1: as well, etc. It's kind of cool, actually.
0: Yeah. So I mean, that's a it's another possibility as well to look at that. So yeah, we <laughs> did have a couple of people mentioned in the webinar chat but for the most part, it wasn't really an issue because we weren't, fortunately, we weren't directing people to the site until towards the end of the webinar. Uh, and the other thing I would say about timings, we actually got right this time, but we're actually notorious for, or Gail is notorious for getting yeah, this one wrong, <laughs> is in time zones, and you know, when you have summertime and wintertime, clocks going forward, clocks going back, and then you have like UTC and British summertime, and daylight savings and, 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 all, and all these things. And then you have countdown timers. And I think up until recently, at least, the the Thrive Content Builder, the old one, the countdown timer, it would display the time zone as your local time, but it would actually calculate it in like <laughs> On UTC. The
1: no, it would so, take the WordPress time zone. It's kind of weird, it was weird.
0: Yeah, so basically whenever you're having countdown timer, actually like do the math and countdown and make sure it's actually gonna be for the right right time because we've made that mistake before not in launches but at other times with with webinar so yeah all right let's move on to uh email so i mean we talked a little bit about the email not going out from webinar jam but that was webinar jam not sending it Shall we talk now a little bit about our active campaign setup yeah sure what do you want to say Okay, so basically this time our email list is is a lot bigger or was during the launch a lot bigger than than previous. We've been collecting a lot of emails and just the fact that we've been around for longer, the list size grows and grows. But what we noticed was that open rate started to sort of dip a little bit. And that's, I think, because we hadn't really done much cleaning up of our list. And in the past, we've run a few sort of giveaways and, and competitions, which really get a lot of emails in, but not always up-to-date accurate or real email addresses I think so do you want to talk a little bit about the deliverability improvements you've been working on i mean,
1: honestly it's pretty simple but there's, there's a few things that I've done is first of all I've taken the last I've taken everyone and I've built an automation so I use ActiveCampaign for that and the way I like to clean my list is by building if this, then that type automations and it's actually pretty easy to do an active campaign. Essentially built the first automation saying, if for anyone that signed up a month ago or before that, if you've never opened an email, instant unsubscribe. So that unsubscribed 10,000 emails already. Uh, so good job. That was, I did that after the launch. So like, you know, if you've been on the email list, you know, we've been emailing a lot. If you haven't even touched a single email, that's probably, you know, you're probably not a valuable subscriber and when your emails don't get opened or clicked the big providers so like google yahoo hotmail these kind of things they tend to put first of all they, they start putting you in all like the promotion tabs etc when they exist and then even then like if you really get very little interaction, then you eventually end up in spam and people don't receive your emails anymore. And the more that happens, it's kind of a snowball, right? The less people open your emails, the less people receive... uh, Eventually, the more you get spammy or in the spammy stuff, the more you get into the spam folder, etc, etc. And that ends up really bad for some people. And it's tied to your domain as well, so it's not like changing from ActiveCampaign to something else can help. Obviously, it's tied to your domain primarily. There's many factors including the sending servers and the reputation. We actually have a blog post that Lewis did with testing a bunch of email services and seeing which ones trigger the most spam, etc., coming up. Because we actually cared about this about before the launch and asked him to check that. So, first of all, remove anyone that has never opened an email, should have done it a long time ago. It's my fault. Second of all, and I've actually done a, a recent webinar in Platinum. So if you're a Platinum member, you can check it out. I've built the engaged, disengaged lists. So essentially we have two lists for our subscribers that are not buyers. It's like the engaged and disengaged. So anytime you touch the website or touch an email that we sent or anything like that, you essentially trigger an automation. It essentially puts you in, in a wait time for 60 days. And then after 60 days, if you haven't touched the website anymore or any email or anything like that, it puts you in this disengaged list and we are able to now communicate differently. So for example, we're probably going to be sending the podcast only to the engaged list mostly because it's like they, they get slightly less open rate, slightly less engagement than like maybe a big guide like the Amazon guide we did recently that got pretty good open rate. And so we try to cater to also you know, the amount of engagement you want, and then eventually we're able to get more opens in our email input percentage, and as a result, reach more people's inbox, and as a result, hopefully, reach more people in general.
0: Yeah, and the other thing I wanna say about email is check your segmentation. One mistake we made this time was, so what I mean by segmentation is we're not just emailing everyone on our list to you know go buy our product. Obviously we wouldn't want to email people who are already customers. And the way we have our list set up in ActiveCampaign is we have a separate list for task customers and a separate list for H Pro customers. And the segmentation variable which we applied to it was not task customer or not H Pro customer. Which sounds fine, but the key was we'd use the or instead of and. So if someone is an AH Pro customer, that means they are not a task customer; that they're not in that list. Therefore, one of those statements is true. Therefore, the segmentation won't work properly. So we're actually, uh, I think, twice for uh, two days in a row, we sent oh, yeah. to existing customers. So apologies if you if you got I that. I have received some angry emails. Yeah, because <laughs>
1: <Really? laughs> people reply, and you know, like very often my emails the reply email, and I'm like, yeah, about yesterday. yeah well i'm sorry
0: so takeaway there is just double check like the logic in your segmentation variables as well and just make sure you're not sending out to to people who who shouldn't be be receiving it okay so you'd think that after doing all of that and after fixing those mistakes you know the worst would be over You would be wrong because (laughs) we're only just getting started. We're like Um,
1: 41 minutes into that podcast, probably a little bit less because we talked a little bit before, but seriously,
0: (laughs) we need to speed up, Mark. (laughs) So the webinar ended up being pretty successful. Um, Despite everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're quite sort of happy on day one with the sales we made. And then in day two, it just sort of like stopped, not completely, but it, it was definitely, the sales velocity was definitely a lot lower. And uh how did you we
1: know that I think you should introduce a tracking sheet right now, actually.
0: Well, we didn't have that, that tracking yeah, okay. sheet, that detail at that point. This was what drove it. But essentially, when someone buys any of our products, both Gail and I get an email with like the, the data. So that's kind of our how we get like a pulse on the the daily sort of sales velocity. And just just that alone was enough to s- signal to me something was wrong. So after the Monday, which was the day after we launched, we started looking into this more, started digging into analytics a lot more, created a, a sheet, a Google Doc, which looked at the data from our previous launches and the number of, the amount of traffic per day, the conversion rate from sales page to cart and from cart to purchased, the number of purchases per day, like all of that data. And then we compared that to the current launch, which we were doing. And we found that on the day two, the number of people who were clicking from the sales page to the cart was way down, like something like seventy percent or something. Yeah. yeah, something down from like, I forget what it was, like six or seven percent down to like two or three percent, which is like a huge, huge drop comparatively. It was like double almost, I think. So, yeah, that was a problem. And that kind of got us looking a little bit further into things. Simultaneously, we had a number of people on Intercom, which is the software we use to manage our our live chat, which we have on the sales page, who were complaining about not being... Various things which were a little bit unclear. We had people say, you know, the sales page doesn't work, or the button doesn't work. Fix it. As useful as it is to get information it wasn't didn't really help us identify the problem because as far as we could tell from you know testing on different devices different browsers everything was fine there was no issues it was only when i think you were talking to someone on the the chat gail and you actually convinced them to send us some screenshots of of what you're seeing. i mean
1: no they actually sent it to me very gracefully so it's like i it's not my convincing power that was here it's just someone that was very nice to us actually
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so what we saw kind of was quite scary because essentially this person was using Safari and like the entire page was just completely broken. There was loads of white space everywhere and none of the buy buttons were visible, essentially an unusable sales page. And so then we started looking at the data because in in analytics you can pull, you can segment by browser And sure enough, the time on site for Safari was way down to what it usually was and versus Chrome as well. So that signified that we had an issue. But we couldn't actually replicate that because, I mean, you're a Mac diehard and you use Safari and it was working fine. Yeah, We used another tool. I I forget, what what was the cross-browser testing tool? BrowserStack.
1: Yeah, BrowserStack.com. There's actually a free trial. You can use it for free for two hours, which is plenty to identify problems if you have any so it's free so do it you know
0: yeah so that led us to determine that a number of older versions of safari were actually experiencing issues and so we we sort of talked to the thrive architect guys and they helped us to identify further identify what was causing it Something to do with, like, an update, that which they did to Architect with the, like, Z. I don't really know how this It works. was, like,
1: a week before, basically. It was just, like, it, it's not a bug that was here since Architect existed. It's a bug that was literally introduced, like, a week before launch. It's very unlucky. Just, like, the backup, really.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it was, like, pushing the the buttons, like, behind the background white space or something like that. So, yeah, basically the whole whole page broke. It wasn't very nice for us, as nobody could actually check out, at least if you're using an older version of Safari, which quite a lot of people were, as it turned out. Yeah, we so had
1: that, a of, quite a few com- I think it didn't work for some old versions of Firefox as well.
0: Yeah, so how did uh, we go about fixing that then? It's like
1: really just like Thrive helped us. Like
0: I just was like, what the fuck? And
1: especially like we promote them. <laughs> so <laughs> So like, I was like, guys, like, it's time to get on this. Like, we're, you know, We've been preparing this for a long time, et cetera. They, they helped us, but they also pushed the fix to everyone so that you won't have that issue anymore. But it existed before. So I guess we are lucky that we had that relationship with them in some extent. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm sure it was fixable otherwise, but what I did actually, like, basically they were like, they took quite a while to fix it. So I actually did, just rebuilt the sales page from scratch and Actually, a large part of the bug was caused by transitioning from Thrive Content Builder to Thrive Architect. And, you know, after this experience, I would not recommend you do that. I tell people now, I I personally don't trust the transition stuff and like if I would. If We're
0: talking here of the transition like when you update. Yeah. to Thrive Architect an old the page where yeah. you can click you know migrate this element. We're talking about that.
1: Yeah, when you update a page that was built on Thrive Content Builder with Thrive Architect, I would say rebuild the page. It's painful. It's annoying, but I just it feels shaky to me and you know as much as we recommend the tool and the thing is i'll be honest i was a little bit frustrated after that and i spent like a whole day playing with other page builders to try to find if i like something else better i didn't actually i I ended up sticking with it and i still recommend it but i tell people not to use the migration function essentially but yeah that's what happened i just i spent till like 4 a.m or something rebuilding the whole sales page they fixed the bug after that, but really I was using the um, new sales page by then, so it was, it was I seem to
0: remember as well, we replaced the buttons with content, yeah. small resized content boxes, which essentially looked the same. Exactly. So, so
1: yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like for some reason, buttons just wouldn't show up in that version. And I could check with this browser stack, which was good. Like I had confidence that when I push something, like I know what it's going to look like on every browser. So yeah, I just built content boxes that look exactly the same as buttons. For the user, it didn't look any different. But it's not the same element in there. They also fixed that bug since then. I guess, yeah. I guess people are lucky that we experienced that, that we <laughs> <Yeah>. know them, <laughs> because now, that, now they don't get this bug anymore. But it wasn't very good. I wasn't very happy. Well, thankfully, they, they tried to help as much as they could. It's lucky we have a relationship with them. I don't know if that would have happened for anyone. So yeah. Now that it's passed, I'm like, I know what to check. I'm kind of learning the quirks of the tool, and there are quirks. But it's still a pretty good tool.
0: Yeah. So one other issue we actually had as well, and I think that was Thrive related as well, was around the buy button on the sales page. So we we recently switched affiliate programs from iDev Affiliate to Affiliate WP. Very happy with that now. By the way, it was really had some some problems with uh, iDev before, and quite a few other people who I've been speaking to recently also have had. Serious problems with iDev, so definitely do not recommend them anymore. Affiliate WP has been really good so far. But what was actually happening is when we were updating the yeah. sales page, if either Gail or I had someone else's affiliate cookie just from you know testing links or something, I think if we updated it twice, it would actually replace oh,
1: this once was, was enough
0: it would replace the link the buy link with an affiliate link for one of these two affiliates now if you're another affiliate listening to this don't worry because the way the cookie set up with like first in or whatever it's called it won't first have affected click, yeah. any yeah it won't have affected anyone else's commissions it will only affected our non-affiliate commissions so it kind of cannibalized into the non-affiliate traffic if that makes sense but yeah essentially every single Sale that should not have been attributed to an affiliate was attributed to one affiliate on uh, Sunday night. So, you know, fortunately, there was actually Shane from Thrive Themes, but <laughs> so he, fortunately, he you know? was, was quite understanding with the, <laughs> with the situation there, and we were able to resolve that. But yeah, I mean,
1: they also fixed fun. that bug since then, actually. They just pushed the update today, actually.
0: Yeah so so one of those things like even after updating the page just when, when you have a live sales page especially during a launch like you need to check everything especially like the buttons are working you know the carts working do test transactions on all the products check the upsells are working check the redirects are working all of that that kind of stuff both payment payment methods if you have more than one so uh so yeah, uh, that was, that was another, another issue. It wasn't too big of a problem. It's quite easy to, to resolve that. But yeah, another hiccup. So
1: the, the lesson is try to, like, try to open your pages in incognito windows and make sure you don't have these kind of glitches, especially if you're using page builders, because like, Thrive just fixed that bug. But I don't know if it exists on Elementor or any of the other page builders. It's quite likely, to be honest, because they, they all use the same kind of technology. And these kind of like link replacing stuff it's pretty common too, so it's depending on your setup. Definitely check that. It's a, it's a two-minute check, and it might save you a few relationships. With I feel it. Like, I kind of feel like this podcast is like a therapy for us right now. <laughs> it's like it's like I'm gonna go lay down on my sofa, guys, and uh, I'm gonna keep talking. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, I mean that the, the main takeaway there as Gil said, check check things in incognito, but but really just check everything beforehand. It can get a bit quite hectic before a launch starts and it's easy to sort of let these things slide, but you need to have sort of ridiculous attention to detail to make sure nothing nothing too significant slips through. But yeah. All right, so then after the all of those issues, we, I think it was like Wednesday, so maybe like 12 or 18 hours before the end of the early bird when we finally like fixed the Thrive issue with the the sales page of Safari. Mm-hmm. And so we made the decision at that point, because sales were definitely down compared to the previous launch, but we made the decision at that point to actually to do something we'd never done before, and that was to extend the early bird pricing. That now, yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, as you probably gathered by this podcast, <laughs> this was a, it really was a legitimate error. It wasn't some like fake scarcity extension thing, which I know a lot of marketers do. But I would even question the effectiveness of deadline extensions after this, because for whatever momentum that we had going for us on that day, as soon as we extended the deadline, sales just stopped. Flat-lined.
1: I think for like stopped. six or seven hours,
0: yeah. nothing well, like, happened. Really to the point where like, is something else broken now? <laughs> is the sales page still working? Uh, so it was kind of worrying. Fortunately, um, they sort of came back. But it was essentially when you have a, a scarcity point, like a price increase, which is coming up it's kind of like a steam engine or something there's like it, you're building up a lot of pressure and like people really get motivated to take action under the, those circumstances by extending it you're just letting the door open yeah. and letting all of the energy all of the kind of momentum you've you've built up kind of just evaporate so yeah I,
1: I also think we kind of killed the momentum in the sense that we killed the messaging as well so we did like a mini podcast where we mentioned some of these issues at that point mostly to justify our decision to extend the deadline like this is kind of like the full version of this you don't necessarily need to go back to listen to it but you know we just wanted to let our followers know what really happened and you know that definitely happened and why we're doing it and i feel like when you build a sales momentum you're you're always very positive and you know we were showing the case studies of students and all that stuff and it was all like positive and then like we're like well we actually fucked up i feel like kind of like messed up with the hype i guess that goes with the launch
0: yeah um, I mean it's very much in our style to do that because yeah. we try to be as like transparent and non hypey as possible, but I guess the lesson there is you know it really is quite an important sort of concept or or thing which is going on during a product launch, so try as best as possible not to mess with that and sort of stay stay positive in your in your messaging and yeah not sort of derail things like that,
1: yeah. So, well, that was another... Fuck- really, extending just didn't help, basically. It's like, it just caught up. It caught up as soon as we washed out the negative messaging and the extension. It was like, oh, now it's actually ending soon, like 24 hours left or something. Yeah, That's wow. when it took back off. Which, so basically, in our, I mean, I guess in this industry, at least, I would say extending deadlines, probably not a good idea. It kind of like kills your image. At the same time, I'm not sure it drives a lot more sales, actually. So I guess we we were smart before and we just became stupid by extending it but uh, yeah <laughs> lesson you know,
0: lesson learned. So. You know it's like we got
1: you got to test all these things to actually know otherwise you're just making assumptions right? Well yeah. don't test it guys.
0: <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's maybe one of those things that someone somewhere did the fake deadline extension and then everyone else just yeah. kind of copied that person. You know, this this happens like more than you'd expect in, in internet marketing, yeah, especially but,
1: when uh, it's kind of like you know mental masturbation discussions on like how to make more money with your funnels or something. And it's like people yeah. are like you know coming up with theories, etc., that they never test, and they write a blog post about it, etc. And like everyone's so hyped about that tactic that nobody's really done for uh, for real, you know. And I feel like definitely like many of these like core rules that you see in these like product launches type stuff. Are made up completely, actually. Yeah, but Sorry. not our, not ours. <laughs>
0: just other people.
1: Uh, everyone else is lying.
0: We're <laughs> not them. not us. Just <laughs> just just the others. No. Um. So <laughs> we've been going for like fifty-eight minutes now. I think we should try and wrap up shortly. All right. The main takeaway from all of this, I guess, is check everything like two or three times. Don't leave anything to chance. And try as as best as possible to have that kind of like daily or even more frequently like pulse on what's going on. So, you know, literally one minute past midnight every day, I was online getting the days like traffic reports, conversion reports, sales reports, doing all the analysis on that and like putting it into the sheet and just checking all the conversion rates along the way, just really to get as much of an early warning system as possible is that if there wasn't any other problems or any problems going on. And I think for all future launches, we'll probably implement a similar system.
1: Something similar to what we did with the Amazon stuff was like, you know, monthly traffic, EPC, etc. It's it's very similar to that. I feel like anything that makes you money, you should build these kind of spreadsheets. Yeah. uh, It's really how you get a feel for things. Otherwise, you you just don't know,
0: really. Exactly. Exactly, and it's something I'll play around with, like in, in the not too distant future. There are tools like Gecko Boards and stuff you can kind of automate a number of the, these kind of reports. But uh, maybe we'll do another podcast uh, next year once we've once we played around with some of that stuff.
1: With the other stuff we fucked up that we yeah. we actually managed <laughs> to do properly this time, and we didn't notice, you know. Exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so I also just want to say, from like a psychological perspective when you're doing a launch like you are as soon as you start you're committed to it so if a problem exists even if it's costing you tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars of sales fix the problem and keep going don't try and change everything or or do anything that's going to cause a loss of momentum don't panic you know don't stress out don't lose your cool just Problems exist. You as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a site owner are there to solve problems and to fix them. And uh, there, there aren't too many problems which can't, cannot be fixed with the right mentality and the right people around you. So uh,
1: yeah, I also yeah. think like, despite everything that happened, we did okay. It shows how even if things are not perfect, launches can do well. And a lot of people are like, well, that's, that sounds like, they're probably going to be like, that sounds like crazy. That sounds complicated. I'd rather just write another review on my blog. Really? I think, especially just to build your, to build your influence in your industry and to build your sport, your skill portfolio, it's a good idea to get into selling products. And I know a lot of people are afraid to get into it. Don't want to get into it. I'm not even getting interested in their niche. And that's an issue in the first place, but if you want to be in this industry in 10 years i would i would argue that it's almost going to be mandatory that you touch this stuff at some point so yeah
0: it's just crazy the amount of money that you can make in such a short space of time as well i mean like we're we're saying oh this was like a uh, comparatively a bad launch and stuff but it's still we're talking like multiple six figures in like a week and a half here
1: it was i mean it was a good know. launch from the from the sales revenue stuff it was a lot of stress a lot of work a lot of preparation but the thing is well we don't have to worry about sales now we get to focus on h content we get to focus on atari hacker blog uh, the podcast our sites and other things it's it's obviously like we want to make money but like it's very cyclical in the way we run things, and, and in a way, it's nice because it puts a fire under your ass when you're going to be doing it. And it forces you to do things you probably wouldn't do if you would, had to do it day to day. And at the same time, you get that well deserved rest after. It's a nice way to essentially get a a business, like, like go from like a tiny website to a real business. That's a, launches are definitely a powerful way to do that. Then after that, you can get more into the evergreen stuff, into advanced funneling and that kind of stuff. It's, you know, it's something that needs to be done as you scale up. But product, like proper live product launches, not, uh, not just going to have a webinar and, and doing what everyone else does, but like proper live product launches with hype is a really powerful way to, to as I said, like go from a hobby site to a real company. Okay. Yep. So I guess we're going to wrap it up here. I think next week we should definitely do an SEO-type podcast because we haven't done it for a long time. A lot of people that listen to us listen to SEO, uh, care about SEO, so I'll find something, but we should definitely do something about, I don't know, maybe an update on like link building stuff or on... Cool. I'll find something cool, but... Anyway, if you want to know what's coming next week, we'll do something about SEO. So thanks for listening, and see you next week. Bye. Bye,
0: guys. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.